What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts. We got a full house for you guys tonight. We're going to be previewing the 49ers divisional round playoff game versus the Green Bay Packers. Before I kick it off to my panel, if you guys are tuning in on X, make sure you hit like and repost the post. If you're tuning in on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe. Drop some comments in the live chat. We want to hear what you guys think, how you feel about this game. I'm just going to start off like normal. Matt, how you doing tonight? Zach, I'm doing good. It's been three weeks since meaningful 49ers football. Um, that's going to come to a close the day after tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to it. we got a bunch of panelists, so let's let's hop right on to the next one, but I'm doing great, man. Awesome, yeah. Uh, I got Mike, as always. Mike, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, man, and excited that 49ers football is less than 48 hours away, man. I can't wait to talk about it. Let's do this. Let's do it. Dion, how you doing? <clears throat> I am good, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. I'm ready to just go punch the Packers right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> Let's do it. Christian, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm ready for this uh... – for Saturday, I'm ready for the game to start, and I, I I just need the Niners to kick the living shit out of the Packers, because I'm sick and tired of all this uh, nonsense about the Packers even having any kind of chance. So, all right, just just a reminder: no profanity here in the first couple minutes. Uh, eight minutes, Brandon. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, ready for this game on Saturday? Um, feeling very confident, and I mean, shoot, let's get right into it. Let's do it. And without further ado, my brother Eric is here. Eric, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Eric, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Um, ready to talk some Niners. Uh, ready to put all this talk about the Packers to rest. So, yeah, let's get to it. Let's do it, man. Uh, before we get started, we got a super chat already from our guy, Gray Fox198. He's got 10 bucks to say, fellas, I bought my ticket to the NFC conference two days ago. We're going to destroy Green Bay, and they're strong as wet paper defense and as jimmy g told gold after the game winning kick in the 2021 pack playoffs f the packers that video shout out to joey that video is our most viewed post on our tiktok it has like two or three million views J uh, jimmy going over to robbie gold after he kicked that game winning kick in the snow hell yeah man f the packers it's great i love it thank you for your contribution great great fox we're gonna get right into the show guys i, I think this game looks totally differently just simply based on what happened in the wild card. That's kind of the elephant in the room, right? If the Packers have like a 21-17 win, a 10-7, nobody's even talking about this, but because they blew out the Cowboys in Dallas, now everyone's like, yo, this team could be for real. Matt, I'm going to start with you. How much does that <clears throat> performance change your perception and your opinion of this Packers team coming in this weekend? It makes me think that they're going to get the, the doors blown off of them this week. Um, there was no expectation for this Packers team. They didn't make the playoffs until the last day of the season. They were nine and eight. Um, they, they gave up a bunch of points. Their defense is top, bottom 10 in the league. And so they go into the game at Dallas. Dallas has all the pressure on them and they beat a Dallas team that quite frankly is softer than Charmin. So now going forward, no number seven seed has ever beaten a number two to get to the next round. So that's history right there. But now you're going on the road again on a short week to San Francisco to play the 49ers, the number one seed. The chances of them even competing with the 49ers are slim to none. 
Uh, they're going to start to feel their own hype. Like we've already seen players talking and I know that uh, LaFleur is doing the best that he can to kind of mitigate some of that by paying praise, but the players are chirping. And when that stage comes, it's a Saturday night, it's five 15, right? It's, it's going to be one of those things where now there's some expectation. Now the media is propping you up. And what do you do when that light just gets turned up a little bit brighter on you? I don't think that they can give the offensive output that they did last time. I don't think Jordan Love will play a game that perfect. It didn't change my opinion at all, except that I think the 49ers would have win are going to win bigger than they would have had it been a close game against Dallas. Zach, you're muted. Just noticed. Just noticed. Mike, Jordan Love has been playing very good football for the past month maybe i don't have a schedule up in front of me some are saying he's playing as good as anybody in the nfl in this stretch going into the playoffs earlier in the year people were talking green bay made the wrong choice finally they're not gonna have a third straight franchise and now people are talking about him like he's patrick mahomes and josh allen what's your opinion on on jordan love and how much of a threat does he pose to the niners defense yeah good question man i'll, I'll give him time right and that goes with everybody in the nfl but you know uh one thing that i wanted to say about what Matt just said the whole history thing, right? While that has happened and that is history, we're talking three years, guys. Like there hasn't been a seven seed for more than four years in the entire NFL's history. So let's pump the brakes on that whole, oh my God, this is the first time a seven seed has beat a two. It was one of three times. 33% of the time it happens. Like what, what are we talking about, right? So I'm not taking away from what Matt said, but if that's what your claim to fame is for the Packers and their success in the postseason, like chill out. Like it's it's gonna become normal, right? We saw the Giants win the Super Bowl as a sixth seed, which was the lowest seed at the time. So we got to keep that in mind when we're going forward. Uh, as far as Jordan Love, I don't want to take anything away from the young man. This guy, the the, the was killing me the most about these comparisons, and I'm saying comparisons because they're like, oh, look at him next to Brock Purdy, and he's just as good. He's better. Blah blah blah. If I'm a first round pick, and people are telling me I am just as good as Mr. Irrelevant, I'm pissed. That's an insult. You can take it as a plus if that's what you want to do, right? But nah, bro, like what, what, what are we really, really talking about here, you know? And it's clear to me that Jordan Love is reliant and dependent on the success of the run game. Do yourselves a favor. Do a little bit of homework. Go out there and look and see rushing games, rushing yards under 70 for the Packers leading running back, and then look at their win-loss record if he doesn't get that 70. That's all I'm saying. So while I get it, and I don't want to diminish what the young man has accomplished, I hope that he is good for years to come. I like a competitive NFC. NFL is better when the Cowboys, Packers, Niners, hell, I'll even go to the other side, Raiders and Browns are some of the teams in the postseason. That's real, to me, that's real NFL playoff football, right? But Let's not go out there and start crowning these guys because they went out there and upset the bum-behind Cowboys who, let's be honest, are always the biggest letdown in the postseason. Like, no one, no one out there. But my mom is the biggest Cowboys fan that I know. And when I say biggest, like, oh, my boys are going to win, my boys are going to win, she, don't, she couldn't name three people on the team. But the people who can name people on the team are like, yeah, we play down to our competition a lot. Any game, we could lose. That's what the real diehard fans say. My mom felt the same way. So it's. It, I'm not surprised by this. Don't let's sit there and look at the points that they scored against the Cowboys. Even at home, sway your decision on them. The Cowboys are frauds. 
the Packers got lucky that that's who they played first. I don't think the Packers would have beat the Bucks. I don't think the Packers would have beat the Lions. I don't think they would have beat the Rams. Like they they got lucky that they matched up exactly where they were. All right, damn, Eric, I'm gonna throw it to you. Uh, Mike talked about the Packers beating the Cowboys, and one thing I kept thinking is, yeah, but everybody beats the Cowboys in the playoffs. Like this is the '90s. How does how impressive was that win to you, or was that did that win say more about the Packers or about the Cowboys? What do you, what do you think, Eric? I mean, ultimately, the Packers went out there and they beat a team that was going to lose. Like, that's that's just pretty much the end of it. I don't think it's anything super impressive about either one of those teams. I think the Cowboys did exactly what everyone expected them to do when they entered the playoffs. And the Packers, I mean, it's good, good for them, right? Hats off to them for that win. That's probably going to go down as their Super Bowl for this season, right? Um, credit to them. And, you know, obviously I hope I don't need my words, but I'm not too worried about that. Um, it's going to be entirely different, though, when they when they um, play us on Saturday. It's going to be an entirely different ball game. What they did there isn't going to matter at all, but what's going to go down this coming Saturday. It's going to be an entirely different scenario for them. Um, it's just not going to matter. Credit to, you know, their quarterback. He's playing good right now, right? He's playing good. Good for him, right? Comparisons, I feel like, don't matter. Um if if they want it more than us, they can't get it. They still can't get it. We're just better all around. So, it's, I mean, it's just how I feel. Hey, I like it. Uh, Christian, I'm going to throw it to you. All we've heard the past, you know, week is this is a hot team. You've heard rest first rust. The 49ers have a bye week. We saw what they did after their last bye week, and they came out and just whooped the first place of their division at the time, Jacksonville Jags. How much does that benefit the 49ers in reality having the bye week and the Packers having to go back-to-back road games on the other side? How much does that benefit the Niners? I think it benefits the Niners mostly on the defensive side. I think rust is most of the thing that people would say for the offense where the defense is – it's definitely not rust. The, the defense, when they're rested, they're going to come out and punch you in the mouth. So I, I think the rust, the rust thing definitely has to go with the offense. and I, So I think – the bye week really helps because our our defense is going to be healthy. And we saw coming off the bye week when we played the Jaguars, we were rested and everybody was running and <clears throat> running to the ball. And and there was, you know, we weren't having the issue with um, broken tackles, you know, missing tackles what, what and whatnot because we were swarming the ball like our defense normally does. Um, and you can just tell the difference between, uh, you know, our defense when they're rested and when they're tired. The Packers are going to be tired. Um, so, uh, you know, them not having a bye week since week six, you know, having to play, which pretty much a playoff game, the last three to four weeks of the season to get into the playoffs and then playing Dallas, then they're, you know, coming on a short week, going from green Bay to Dallas, back to green Bay, then all the way back to the West coast. That's tiring in and itself. Then, you, you know, on top of playing a game on a Saturday night. So I, I just, their defense is going to be tired. They already, you know, where they're 31st against the run. Um, so when it comes to rust, if you want to go for the offense, I don't really see how you worry about rust when you're just going to run the ball 40 times in a game. Cause I guarantee Kyle's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if this game looks just like the NFC championship game against green Bay, where we ran the ball and Garoppolo threw it eight times. Like Purdy's much better than Garoppolo. So we can throw the ball, but I don't see why we need to. I think, we don't even need to worry about whatever rust they're saying because it's just, we're going to run the ball down their throats the whole game. 
I love it, man. Dion, I'm going to throw it to you. The 49ers look like they're finally healthy. I mean, for the most part, they're guys that are gone for the year. They're not coming back. Hufanga. Uh, but the injury report has two people on it. Cleveland Farrell's out. And I think Greenlaw has the Achilles tendonitis, which I'm 99.9% I'm sure he's going to play through. Um, how do you feel about the 49ers? You know, on the flip side, the Packers have a, a handful of players questionable. Uh, and Gabare, I think, is out. Their, their linebacker, Jair Alexander, is questionable again. He went down last week again with that ankle injury. Uh, how much will injuries, do you think, or a healthy roster, I guess I should say, play a factor in this game? I feel like the uh, the health of the 49ers is, uh, you know, our, our success. You've heard all the media pundits all year long basically stating, hey, if the 49ers are healthy, there's not a team that can beat them. And that's basically the case. Um, as far as for the Packers, Jair Alexander is going to play. I, I don't care how bad he rolled that ankle. His, his foot could have fell off. That man's going to limp on that field and try to cover somebody. Um, you know, the big name players do that. You know, they they try. They they will go out there and give it they all. I mean, uh, think about it when uh, Trent Williams talked about how he should have let Colt McKibbitts play in the NFC Championship game some years ago. Um, you know, but what do they do? You man up, you go out there, you play. You don't waste your time. You don't think twice about it. Um, and I just feel like the health of the 49ers is the best it's been all year. Uh, the time off definitely helped us out. And at the same time, Greenlaw, pretty sure he'll get out there. They'll probably rotate him in and out to try to make sure they manage that as best they can. But, I mean, we're fully healthy and ready to go. And we're at home, so I expect the faithful to be loud. I expect the faithful to be proud and go out there and do what we do. As far as the Green Bay Packers, um, hey, look, man, at the end of the day, your linebackers are trash. Um, if you don't have Jair Alexander, your, se your secondary is a little suspect. And I mean, you got you got a decent offense. You got a decent defensive line. Your O line has done one thing, and that's made Jordan Love comfortable. But there's a guy by the name of John Nicholas Bosa, who has said, "We are going to make him uncomfortable." And that's the thing, Jordan Love. If you watch that game versus the Cowboys, what did he do? He was chilling. He was cool in the pocket, cool under pressure. Nothing's going on, you know, and. uh if you look at anything, he hasn't really faced something like that all year. And when you come up against this Niners defense, and I'm talking about the full slate of the defense outside of Talanoa Hufunga, you got a problem on your hands, man, because we rush four and get home. And I can tell you right now, man, I'm pretty sure Steve Wilson's going to throw in a blitz here, a blitz there to be able to confuse him and make him uncomfortable and figure it out. Um, I am of the mindset at the end of the day, that I'm sorry in recent history, whenever the Packers come up against us in the playoffs, it does not end well for them. I understand that was with Aaron Rodgers, but I can tell you right now, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, uh, Mike, you know, Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, anybody on the floor. It doesn't make a difference. They're, go they're, they're going to lose. It was nice to see Jordan Love get his first little win and do his little thing. But at the end of the day, I have to agree with Mike. If you're comparing me, to mystery relevant? That's a slap in the face. I'm a first round pick. They went up to go get me. They they went to go get me purposely to replace one of the guys that some people think is one of the greatest throwers of the football of all time. And you're comparing me to Mr. Irrelevant? This guy? Little regular Joe Schmo kind of looking dude? Nah, man, I'm not having that. 
I mean, I saw on Twitter they had their whole little moment. Look at our quarterback. He doesn't have on any chains or this or that. You know, he's just focused on football. Look, bro, because somebody dressed a certain way don't mean nothing, okay? I've met some dudes that look like straight-up nerds, super hood. I've met some dudes who look like straight-up hood guys, extremely intelligent. Bro, how you dress, what you look, just don't judge a book by its cover. It's how it works. But the health of the 49ers, to me, automatically says that we win this game just based on the fact that everybody is there. We have all of our weapons available, and they don't have anything to stop that. Okay, you have Jair Alexander. What are you going to do about Ayuk? What are you going to do about Kittle? What are you going to do about CMC? What are you going to do about Juwan uh, freaking Jennings? What are you going to do about all those other people? Jair can't cover the whole name field. So who else is going to help you? So the help that we have right now just gives us that big enough edge for me to have supreme confidence to know at the end of the day, it was a nice little run. And, you know, God rest his soul. My Uncle Mark, he's a Packers fan. I love you to death, Uncle Mark. We're going to have to break your cheese heads off. It is what it is. That cracks me up, dude. It was like, uh, you know, I, I posted a reply to the person talking about dripless Jordan Love. You know, and it's like, my quarterback gets no bitches. Like, he's he's horrible looking. He smells. And he gets no bitches. That's how much he cares about football. I'm like, yo, like, that's kind of fucked up to say. Jordan Love's like, me? Like what? What? How? Okay. Like, uh, Brandon, I'm gonna throw it to you. The weather looked like we were gonna be lucky, and it was gonna rain Friday, Sunday. I just checked my app, and now it's gonna rain, and it's gonna be raining at five, six, all the way through seven. It looks like not much. I think it's like 0. 0.2 inches for the whole day, but stuff something. If, in your opinion, say weather becomes a factor, who does it help more, the Niners or the Packers? Um. Well. I saw that it was going to be like 40% around the time the game starts. Uh, but moving on to the question, I think it'll – I feel like it will benefit us in a way just because if that does happen and we know we did see Brock Purdy struggle like a little bit when it rained before, but he still looked excellent. Um, we still have CMC in the backfield, so if it does rain – we could just ha- we could just run the ball most of the game, you know, and uh, you saw throughout the whole season, CMC uh, can't get stopped. So, I mean, I think we'll be all right, even if it does rain. No, I, I agree with you there, uh, Mike. I'm gonna throw it back to you. There was this weird clip, Mark Chamorro, wherever the hell he is, a former tight end for the Packers, and this clip went viral in 49ers X, you know, spaces talking about how. You know, hey, the late penalty, the 15 yards, may be worth it if the Packers are able to get to Purdy, you know, late after the whistle, hard, as long as it rattles him. He didn't necessarily say take him out of the game. He didn't say hurt him. But the implications there, there's – I kind of see split down the middle fan base calling others soft for saying, come on, man, like that's football, get over it. But then there's others that are like, yo, like you never call for an injury. How do you feel about this? Did you hear it? What do you, what do you think? Hit me, hit me with your thoughts. Yeah, I, I saw it from a couple of different outlets. And, um, you know, ESPN Milwaukee was, like, promoting this joint. And I, I went on a rant about this um, on the No Harm, No Foul show that I do with Breezy. Um, it's it's low-hanging fruit. This guy said, you know, let's go out there and maybe we do need to get a 15-yard penalty early in the game, right? So I did the math. 
I looked at it. There's four ways that you get this 15-yard penalty. A late hit, a hit to the head, a hit uh, below the knees, and like an out-of-bounds hit. You're asking for an illegal play, and you're hoping for that to set a tone. You're, you're, you're basically hoping for injury. And if that's what your team is dependent on early in the game, that lets me know that you're shook from the beginning because you know straight up, head-to-head, you don't stand a chance. That's what that tells me. I'm not going to go into it all a whole bunch right now, but that's weak sauce, bro. I have never watched a game and said, man, I really hope we injure this player so that we can we get, we have a better shot at winning this game. It's basically what he was saying. Like, I, we all know. We, we, we all watched. We became uh, content creators during the, the hardball years and the, or the end of it, and Seattle was our biggest opponent. Not one time did I ever say, damn, man, I really hope that we can injure Marshawn Lynch. You know, damn, I really hope that we take Russell Wilson out this game or or injure him at some point. Like, that's – it's beyond nonsense to sit there and, and put that out there on, on an ESPN broadcast, right? Like, the fact that this is what they were promoting, that was the clip that they chose to share. You're promoting this. Man, let's get go, let's go and get this 15-yard penalty early in the game so we can set the tone. Tell me you're pussy without telling me you're pussy. Tell me you're shook without admitting that you're shook. It is the weakest line that I have heard from any team at any point in the postseason. Like, just go ahead and admit, hey, guys, we don't stand a chance unless there are some unforeseen injuries. And what, the, what that is is it's the formula that the Eagles put on display in the NFC Championship game last year. The only way the Eagles stood a chance against the 49ers in that game was to get rid of our starting quarterback. And that also goes to say, against everybody out there, oh, man, Brock Purdy's just a game manager. Anybody can go out there and do it and all that. You can say that on one side of your mouth, but you can't go out there and say, we, we got to hurt Brock Purdy. It can't be both. You got to pick one. If he's just another guy out there for the 49ers, then you're not worried about him. But you can't say that we need to smack him up and rattle him and then at the same time say, Brock Purdy's just another guy. Luckily for him, he's got the supporting cast because the supporting cast doesn't change in that situation. That scenario doesn't say, well, you know, we're going to be okay. That says that you obviously acknowledge how good Brock Purdy makes this team, how efficient he makes this team, how deadly this team is with the assistance or help from Brock Purdy. You got to pick a side. You can't have it both ways. Either way, you're admitting that you're afraid. You're admitting that you can't go toe-to-toe with the 49ers fully healthy. And that's cool. Just say it. We need some help. We're going to need the officials. We're going to need an injury to one of their key players. We're going to need Brock Purdy to have a really, really bad game. Give Brock Purdy an average game against this team, and the Niners win this one by 16. That's how I feel about it. Damn. Yeah. I posted, you can always tell who's confident in their team because they go from talking X's and O's, coverages, benefit, you know, beneficial matchups to intangibles like injuries and referees and shit like that that has no actual, you know, shouldn't have an impact on the game, but it does. Uh, Matt, I'm going to toss it to you. We saw Sunday or Saturday, whenever the hell the Packers play, I think Sunday. Uh, yeah, Sunday. We saw Jair Alexander immediately 
basically calls CD a bitch and shoves him in the back, and CD Lamb just takes it. He doesn't do anything, he doesn't even turn around, and the rest of the game, CD Lamb is just shot. You know, him and Dak, people were saying they had the chemistry of a Jada and Will out there, and it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, if if Jair tries to try that against Debo or Ayuk, how would you envision that playing out? And ha- who do you think has the, the upper hand in this matchup on Saturday? Uh, well, I mean, unlike CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel won't shrink under a spotlight. Unlike Dak Prescott, they won't shrink under a spotlight. Jair could try all the head games he wants. First of all, Debo ain't going to have it. Um, and Brandon Ayuk is, I mean, honestly, to me, just as talented, if not more so, with more heart and hustle than than CeeDee Lamb. So that's cool, man. You can be out there on your own, but, you know, Brock Purdy's going to get the ball to where he needs to go. And if you look at Dallas's offense versus the 49ers offense, you better buckle up. Bernard Pollard was a disappointment for them this season. There's no other way to look at it other than that. CMC is anything but disappointing, and he's going to be out there. So Jair Alexander better be on top of his game all day. All day, because if not, it's going to be a long day of work and he's going to get that work. So I'm not worried about Jair Alexander. Um, He has, I mean, bro, if he wasn't a football player, I'd be worried about the young man. But he has talent on the football field. He just doesn't make the best decisions from time to time. So, uh, listen, you can you can play those games with Dallas. And I don't know at what point of the game it was. It was probably when they were front running because that's what the Packers do, because the only team that's near as soft as the Dallas Cowboys is the Green Bay Packers. Um, So I'm not worried about it. If he tries any of that stuff, then he's going to get his. But I think something tells me that he knows better than to poke the bear like that. And the Chaz asking if Jair is practicing. He hasn't practiced yet. But like Dion said, he's going to play. Like there's, there's no chance he misses this game. Now, does he re-injure that ankle? I mean, the likelihood, maybe Matt can, can attest to this. How likely is it if you go out there with a sprained ankle that it kind of flares up again? Is it, I would imagine it's pretty likely. Likely likely now because he had the ankle injury prior to the Dallas game and then he aggravated it in the Dallas game, which means that that thing is lax. The ligaments are lax. It's been um, hyperextended at some point, which is what happens when you roll an ankle. Um, he's going to have to deal with that for the, for the rest of the season, um, a.k.a. Saturday. So, you know, he, he, they better tape it up tight. And even that won't necessarily stop. And if he's, I think he would do better if he, you know, was just staying on his side of the field. Man, if he tries to shadow either Brandon Ayuk, uh, who's going to cook him on the routes, or Debo Samuel, who's just going to out-physical him in every way, dude, dude's going to have a really bad game. So he needs to spread the love to the other DB on the opposite side. You know, take turns getting cooked. That way that ankle doesn't get torched too early in the game. But, you know, it, it's going to be an issue. That's for sure. If The fact that he hasn't practiced says a lot. Mike, I'm going to read the Super Chat, then I'm going to get right to you, I promise. Uh, we have a Super Chat from CMC Yaleda with five bucks to say, Green Bay hyped off Dak being Dak is hilarious. Niners by 14. This is what you guys, like, Packers fans apparently don't understand. Like, Bryce Young and the Panthers could have lined up and we would have saw something similar. Like this is Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott in mid to late January. This is just what they do. Usually they at least win one. I shouldn't even say usually because they've only done it once. I think they're like one and five together in the playoffs. So, or Dak in general. Uh, But Mike, please go ahead. Thank you for your contribution. CMC you later. 
I'll leave the super chat responses to the rest of the panel, but I wanted to ask Matt this question, and that's why I was raising my hand. Uh, what does three flights do for an injury like that? Uh, I've heard that flights can bring back swelling and things like that. I don't, I don't know. So I want to give it to our medical specialist on the panel here. Uh, he had to fly back from Dallas, back to Green Bay. So that now, so you already went there, you played. You got to fly back home. Now you got to fly back to California. What does that do for an injury, and how how could that play a, a role in all this? For a normal civilian, I would say it could turn into a problem, right? You're, you're talking about pressurization and depressurization when you get back down. I can't say that word for some reason. Um, pressurization uh, when you get up into the air, you know things can blow up, get you know swell, um, and and generally just cause discomfort. And that's why people that have like ear infections or or something else like that, you'll or sinus infection, it'll actually get worse as you go up in the air because the pressurized air just causes that that inflammation to blow up. For somebody like Jair Alexander and a professional football team, you would hope that they would have. You know, I mean, people talk about the Joe Burrow thing, right? Like, oh, you know, he says it's a compression sleeve. He probably had an injury to that. But one of the things that you would do to mitigate that is when you travel, particularly air travel, you would put a compression sleeve on that. You'd use maybe some some anti-inflammatories. Um, you know, uh, ice has kind of fallen out of favor just because when you ice something, yes, there is a decrease in the blood flow while you're icing it but the rebound blood flow after you take the ice off tends to be more heat is actually the better thing that they prefer now but you would hope that an nfl team would try to mitigate any inflammatory response by flying back and forth across the country it's not great but i mean teams have been doing this forever i don't expect that to play a huge role but it's not exactly nothing either so it's going to be interesting to see how this all shapes out, but I wanted to ask you guys, I'll start with Chris. If anybody else wants to chime in, please feel free. Um, I was pulling up the clip of Amy Trask, which I'm sure you all know where I'm going with this just by saying her name uh, on the, what the football podcast. And I have the video here. Let me show it. Um, and I, I want to get your, your opinion on it. We'll start with Christian. Um, but here it is from the What the Football podcast. Let me make sure my screen's good since there's so many of us. All right, here we go. That means we have eight quarterbacks. Did that of four games this week? That means we have eight quarterbacks. Did that math all by myself? Good girl. Four court games, eight quarterbacks, seven terrific quarterbacks, and Brock Purdy. Now, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Make no mistake about it. Everybody be calm, 49er fans. I'm not suggesting Brock's not a good quarterback. He is. I simply don't put him in the same category as the other quarterbacks. So I'll say it again. Eight quarterbacks, seven terrific quarterbacks, and Brock Purdy. What don't you like about him? It's not that I don't like him. It's not that I dislike him. He does things very well. He is surrounded by a tremendous, tremendous supporting cast, both on offense and defense. He is a good quarterback. I don't put him in the category of the other seven. Christian, I mean, I mean, lay it on me. What apparently uh, parties below the likes of, of Baker and, and Goff and uh, give me your thoughts on that, please. I don't want to, I don't want to corrupt the well too much. I, I mean, it, it's kind of, the the epitome of this whole really 
season or really since Brock has been a starter for this team, he gets everybody gets has been stuck on the fact that he was Mr. Relevant, the last pick in the draft. So he's he's not capable of being a good quarterback. He's not capable of being put in the same category as um, these other quarterbacks. It it really makes no sense, but I guess it in a sense it does because if we had the same social media when when um, Brady came into the league, he would have probably got the same treatment Purdy's getting. Obviously, different different circumstances. Not saying Purdy's Brady, but just late round pick, you know. You know what I mean. So I feel like they would have been all over Brady in the same way if we had had social media then. But it it. Where, where, but where is she basing where is she basing any of this off of? You're saying this guy's not in the same level, and yet he has he leads the, the league in most quarterback ca- categories. He's ahead of each quarterback in almost every category left in the playoffs. So you're saying the guy that is first of those eight quarterbacks in almost every category besides a couple, he's not at their level. So what level is she referring to? Because quarterback plays based off their statistics and how well they play. Right. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like even, you know, she's just going off some kind of eye test or something. I don't, I don't understand where it's coming from other than this is the, Purdy falling this fall far in the draft and nobody thinking he could be a guy is such an ego hit to the whole, to everybody in this dang league that they just can't stomach it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I, I don't understand. Like, who would have ever thought that an underdog story like this people would hate so much? People are supposed to love the underdog story. They made a freaking movie for Kurt Warner based off being an underdog, but for some reason, everybody hates Purdy and his underdog story. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's just the same old thing you keep hearing, right? I was watching, I or I listened to you know Fox. FS1 on, on my serious radio every morning driving to work. You know, the, these guys are saying, oh, Purdy's going to struggle in this game, right? That nobody gives him a chance. He's he's nothing. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. He's done nothing but prove them wrong. You know, he has one bad game against the Ravens, so there's your confirmation bias. He sucks, right? Because this whole league and everything's based off confirmation bias in the media. It's just I, – I don't understand it, like – People's like, I, I have all this football knowledge and have known this game my whole life, but I'm gonna make this stupid. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna make this stupid call on on Purdy, regardless of the fact that I know I'm wrong. I'm just gonna go and run with it anyways. I I, I don't get it. It's the most. Uh, I've never been more flabbergasted by the takes on Brock Purdy. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Matt, did you have something to add? And then I'm gonna go to Eric. I don't want to hate on Amy Trask. I've I've interacted with her on Twitter. She's a nice person. But let's go through this list, okay? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, all more interceptions than Brock Purdy. Um, Jared Goff was in L.A. They said, we don't want you. See ya. Okay? Jordan Love couldn't see the field for three years, right? He had to sign a one-year max extension in place of his fifth year just to see the field. You're talking about essentially what boils down to a fourth-year rookie, a fourth-year redshirt rookie. You got an actual rookie in C.J. Stroud, right? And then you got you got Baker Mayfield, who is on his, what, fourth team? Aren't there pictures of him last year putting his hand in the dirt 
playing scout team D-line for the Carolina Panthers, a team that is so bad that not only were they the worst team in the NFL, but they were so bad that they don't even get their own first-round pick. So bad that their owner is tossing drinks on opposing teams' fans. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about Lamar Jackson, who, listen, I know he's athletic. I know he's great. I know he's all that stuff. People will take a look at the fact that he beat the 49ers on that on that game on Christmas, and that's all fine and dandy. But he's 15th in the league in passing yards. Dude doesn't throw. He's not asked to throw. What happens when his athleticism fades? I've said this for years and years and years. But but Brock seven terrific quarterbacks and Brock Purdy, lady, you drafted Jamarcus Russell. I do not trust your judgment. You're very nice. You're very nice. But I don't want to hear you talk about quarterbacks because you obviously don't know your elbow from your asshole. <laughs> Eric, what's your thoughts on this? I think what it truly is the 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 reason for the hate that Brock Purdy gets. It's it's not because he's an underdog, because usually everyone's going to root for that. Everyone's going to love an underdog. But it's the fact that he became an underdog with an already decent to pretty much strong 49ers team. And the fact that, like, he elevated it. And so at that point, it's like, whoa, you're not supposed to be doing that good. You're supposed to struggle a lot. You're supposed to then start getting better and then take your team when they start building all these pieces. These pieces aren't supposed to be there before you. And then they, you come and you take that whole platform and lift it up and i think if brock purdy had went to any other team as mr irrelevant maybe wouldn't have the shot that he has now but he definitely wouldn't be getting the hate that he's getting now and people don't want to see him succeed as an underdog because he's with us because he's with the niners a lot of people probably have a lot of bad bad feelings towards the niners because of what we've done to them in the past um even though we haven't really you know it's like we're dominating super bowls year after year after year we're still contenders for the most part in recent years. And the fact that Brock Purdy is now giving us the best shot quarterback wise to get to that, you know, that level people, people just don't want it. I think that's the entire reason why Brock Purdy is not getting the love that you would think a normal underdog would in that scenario. Yeah. And I think Christian touched on it perfectly too, is it kind of makes them look bad, right? It's like, that's the classic, like, your job is to find these gems and elevate them to the higher rounds. All of you guys missed it. So now you're all continuously denying what we see. It's the Steven Ruiz symptoms, you know, Steven Ruiz who went into the season having Brock at like the 26th best quarterback. And I think at the highest moving up to like the 23rd, he's got quarterbacks like Derek Carr, Caleb Williams. Like at one point it clearly became a bit right. But that's like what it is. Like they just refuse to admit they were wrong because they see. And just like Eric said, you want a first rounder. You know, if if it was Trey Lance having the success that Brock Purdy is having, everybody would be praising it, saying we have the next coming of Josh Allen, we have the next coming of X quarterback here, and it's because we expected it because we predicted him to go top ten, and he did go. So that pats me on the back because I got that right. Pay me more, Pro Football Talk. Pay me more, you know, what any Pro Football Network, any of these companies. But because he was a seventh round pick, now they're like, ah, come on, he's not. You know, it's not really him. It's, it's more, it's Kyle. And we've had this discussion. Either Brock Purdy is an MVP candidate or Kyle is coach of the year. You can't have both. You can't have both. It's one or the other. So tell me what it is, people. Uh, Matt, do you have something to add? Yeah, so I think you're on to something. Um, I, I do think there that you can be coach of the year and, and MVP in the same year. I mean, this happened a couple times before. That's neither here nor there. But I've actually come to 
the conclusion that the hate is not for Brock Purdy. The hate is actually for the 49ers. And here's why. They spent how much draft capital on a dude that they jettisoned for a seventh round pick? It's not that Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant and he's coming and play well. It's that the 49ers have seemingly failed upwards, right? You spent all this capital on a first round dude that couldn't even see the field, that couldn't even see the field to the team you traded him to. And all of a sudden, you have this guy who's going to be your franchise quarterback seemingly, right? Who's playing well, who's on an MVP caliber, uh, you know, season, an MVP caliber level with his play that might've drawn some attention as an undrafted free agent, but that you took seemingly just to avoid that. It was your last pick. You passed him over how many times? Other teams passed him over how many times? How dare the 49ers, with all of their talent that they already have on this team, that paid a Jimmy Garoppolo after five games, that drafted a Trey Lance, how many quarterbacks are going to be thrown in your lap? And you fail upward into this guy that makes 800 k a year and looks like he came straight out of an American Eagle ad? No, 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 no. We don't like that. So we're going to downplay this kid because we're hoping beyond hope that the 49ers did not get that lucky to get this guy after blowing so many different quarterback picks. Kyle had the rap of, I can't develop quarterbacks. He can't develop quarterbacks. The team can't develop quarterbacks. Uh, you know, their, their quarterback coach, their former one, who's now uh, Rick Scangarello, who's now coaching Caleb Williams in the offseason. You know, people talk about that guy. There's no way the 49ers failed up like this with all the talent that they have and have this Super Bowl window open. That's why Brock Purdy's getting the hate. It's not anybody who talks to Brock Purdy loves the kid. He's very nice, very personable. Everybody loves the way that he fights and plays the game and, and, and does all that stuff. It's the fact that a team that already has so much lucked into a franchise quarterback after blowing it on a first round pick. That's what's pissing people off. And that's why Brock Purdy won't get his due. And you touched on his character. I'm going to toss it to Dion right now. But you guys have to go watch his his sit down with Steve Young if you haven't already. It's like 20, 25 minutes. But you can judge physical abilities. You can judge somebody's potential or, or try and grade it. But you really can't grade like the intangibles inside somebody's mind, their personality, how humble they are. And that was just on full display. I mean, I loved his, his quote where he's like, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, like those are great quarterbacks, but they're not me and I'm not them. Like I am who I am. I know what I'm good at. And that's what I do my best to excel in every day. And I don't let the noise get me too up, too high. He's, I mean, he's the exact same regardless of what's happening. Uh, Dion, please feel free to add to this. So let's just look at it like this. If you look in the playoffs, there's only several quarterbacks that you would technically consider elite. We all know who they are. It's going to be Josh Allen. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be Lamar Jackson. Those are the guys that the media is going to consider elite. Outside of that, I'm sorry, the rest of these guys are not that head and shoulders above Brock Purdy to a point where we can just dismiss his, his existence in the playoffs as just him while all the other guys are elite. Jordan Love ain't done nothing in this league. Lamar barely won a playoff game. He won in three. And I'm sorry, but the way that the, the Chiefs wide receivers are dropping the ball, I'm surprised that they went ahead and beat Miami. So for me, I'm sorry. You can't sit up here and then at the same time, once again, I, I appreciate Matt's sentiments and saying that she's a very nice person. I'm sure she is. But you drafted Jamarcus Russell. 
that I don't think you need to be talking too much about quarterbacks uh, when you drafted a guy that didn't even last that long in the league and then turned around and tried to come back and couldn't even get back in. He wound up on the Bengals practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. So while I, I understand why people are doing it. I think it's just a situation where they're not, they're not willing to accept the greatness that's sitting there before them. The number one knock is, oh, well, he has all these weapons. Is he not supposed to have all these weapons? What do you mean? You want a, a guy to have weapons. You On every team on offense, you want your quarterback to have a viable running back, to have at least two viable receivers, and to have a tight end, and to have a solid offensive line. I think that would be the goal of any and every quarterback in this league to have that on their side when they go out to play. So why is Brock Purdy being maligned for this when that's not – what do you want the kid to do? He came in as Mr. Irrelevant, did what he did, literally just basically stole Trey Lance's job, and they kicked Trey Lance out was like, hey, go over to the Cowboys and deal with that crap. And he's done nothing but ball since then. The only real knock that I can say that Brock Purdy has – he doesn't come back from behind. When we're down, he has not had a comeback win. That's the only thing that I could say. He doesn't have one of those, we're down by, you know, two touchdowns and he throws us back in. It's literally the only thing anyone could say that would actually make sense. But if you are literally sitting here telling me that outside of those three dudes that I just named, Brock Purdy ain't better than the rest, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you're watching but I need you to go back and look at the film because Jordan Love wasn't that great all year. The Packers got in as a wild card team. You know what I'm saying? Jared Goff and the Lions have been, you know, a great thing for the city of Detroit. You got to respect it. You understand it. You know what I mean? CJ Stroud has looked good for the Texans. Congratulations to D'Amico Ryans and all his success. And B Baker Mayfield? Really? No. No, I'm so sorry. I don't know you, lady. I've never interacted with you. But what I can tell you is what my man Matt said was correct. You don't know your head, you know, your elbow from your ass. You can't sit up here and purposely tell me that Baker Mayfield's better than anyone. I am so sorry. There's no way. I would take Brock Purdy over Baker Mayfield any day. Even though Christian decided that Baker Mayfield would have took us to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl some years ago. But at the end of the day, Brock Purdy is at, at best number four in all of the quarterbacks left. If you want to just be like that, if you want to go with what the media says, he's got to be at least number four. C.J. Stroud is brand new to the league. Yes, we love what he's done, but he ain't, he ain't that dude yet. Jordan Love ain't that dude yet. You got to give the dude his respect. Stop just stop stop making it seem like, oh, he's a system quarterback. Oh, well, you know, he has all these weapons. Okay, so Romeo Dobbs ain't a weapon. Christian Watson's not a weapon. Aaron Jones isn't a weapon. I don't hear nobody saying this about Jordan Love. So explain to me why Brock Purdy is, is, is always shot on for him having that moment where he has all his weapons, but you've got other guys that have all their weapons, but nobody says nothing about that. At the end of the day, he came in as Mr. Irrelevant. He shitted on the league, and y'all don't like it. But you're going to have to deal with it. That is a young man who does everything that he can do. He's a God-fearing man. you got to respect that. 
And at the end of the day, God's blessings and anointings are on the young man. He seems to keep winning. He seems to be in the playoffs every year. I don't know what else you want from the guy. Uh, Brandon, and then we're going to move on. You're muted. You're muted. Can't hear you, brother. You're muted. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, just real fast. You guys think that the media would be talking about Brock Purdy like this? Uh, let's just say if Brock Purdy went on to the Super Bowl and won it last year. Well, the simple answer is no, right? They, uh, they're hating on him because they don't think that he has the capability of doing it. And the truth of the matter is when you look at the offensive talent, when you look at the skill positions of the offense, it's like, where's the weak link there, right? We know about the foes and the, and the woes on the offensive line. But when you look at the wide receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, right? Everybody is all pro or pro bowl level on that side of the ball. Uh, so where's the weakness we can point out on the 49ers offense. They're going to try to single out Brock Purdy because that's the only thing that they can try and hope that they're right about. And, you know, everyone wants to say, I saw the flaws in that team before anybody else did. And the only, only thing that they can point to in a potential flaw is Mr. Irrelevant. Because if Brock Purdy was drafted in the second or third round, we wouldn't have these conversations. They'd be like, yo, the Niners knew what they were doing. They're not going to give us that credit right now because He's Mr. Relevant, and he hasn't won it all. But at the end of this year, when the dust settles and he is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in his second year, all that talk changes. All of it changes. But we got to get there. We got to do it. We have to accomplish it. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be like, well, maybe that defense takes a step back next year because they're going to lose X, Y, and Z. Maybe that offense takes a step back. Maybe they can't sustain or keep certain guys like Brandon Ayuk, right? That That's what's going to happen. But right now, they're just grasping at straws so they can say, I was the first one to say that this team wasn't wasn't ready. And they're hoping that the reason is because of Brock Purdy. That's where they are. They're grasping at straws to say, I said it first. That's what X has made social media. It's all about who said it first and who can go out and repost their tweet from a year ago or from six months ago or from three months ago or from a month ago when the playoffs started. That, that's what they're hoping for. Guys, it ain't going to happen this year. It, it, it's, it's, this is not the media's year to try to poke holes into the 49ers' success. And that's what they are learning to have to deal with right now. The fact that people are trying to say Jordan Love and the Packers' offense is on the same page as the 49ers, it's a crime. It's a crime. And I get it. I get it. Like I said, they're, they're grasping at straws, but Nick Wright's going to have to walk it back after we win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Trask, she's going to have to walk it back after we win a Super Bowl this year. And everybody else, they're going to have to walk it back. So, guys, just stay patient. It's one game at a time right now. Right now, the Packers are the first team up on the docket. And let me tell you, this team, don't have they don't have what it takes to beat this team. And those are facts. That's just That's just where we are. So, you know, we got we got to be patient. It's going to be the game of I told you so later on. She said, yeah, there's eight teams. But after this week, there's only going to be four. Those are facts. It's only going to be four. And they're going to have to look in the mirror long and hard because they got a lot of these people out there 
have uh, Stroud lower than everybody. A lot of these people out there right now have Lamar Jackson over everybody. And I'm telling you all right now, I'm going to say this. I know we're not to that point yet. Stroud is going to come out of this victorious over the Ravens. I I sincerely believe that. The, the Houston Texans are going to beat the Ravens this week. And all of a sudden, they got to go out there and do a reshuffle of all of the people that they thought were elite. All the people, because it's a team sport. You can sit there and say, this quarterback has more talent than that quarterback. Cool. If you want me to go out here and make a list of the, of the quarterbacks who have more physical talent than Brock Purdy, I could probably come up with four or five of them. Maybe. I can come up with four or five of them. But when those teams don't advance to the next level, what do you say then? What's your go-to at that point? Where are the holes you poke into the 49ers at that point when you only got four quarterbacks to choose from? It's cool. You got eight. Trask, we hear you. But the fact that you wanted to put Baker Mayfield over a guy like Brock Purdy or C.J. Stroud, who I think is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, but this year? Nah. Nah, shorty. It's not, it's not the case. I got two upsets coming this week, and neither one of them involve the 49ers. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm going to show All right. Uh, I'm going to toss to Christian before. All I'm going to say is, and then I'm going to show too, is what, are we, what have we heard about Tom Brady since 2001, 2002? We, his fucking combine picture goes viral every year because he looks like a flabby white boy who can run a 40 in six, seven seconds. You know, like he's not athletic. He doesn't have a rocket arm. He's not fast, but he's the greatest quarterback to ever do it. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's going to be that, but doesn't that teach these media analysts that that's, you don't necessarily need to be six, five with a rocket arm and run a four, three forty, and you could still be really good and successful if you're in the right surrounding. So I don't, I don't get what it is, but Christian, please. And then we're going to move on. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the whole, like, Purdy has weapon things. I, I I don't really understand that argument. It's like, so is their argument when Purdy throws this, like, insanely accurate ball through a keyhole, do, like, these guys that are his, that because he has weapons, they have, like, this, like, super magnet to their hands to where it makes the ball just go perfectly right where it needs to go, right into their hands. Like, when he threw that ball t- down the seam to Ayuk against the Red, uh, Washington, the commanders, is that does Ayuk have some kind of special hands that makes the ball go right there, right in the keyhole, perfectly? Is that is that what they mean when they say he has weapons? Like, so in order to say he has weapons, it completely gets rid of any cha- any like good throws he makes aren't his. Is because that's that's what it sounds like to me, and that makes absolutely no sense. And my last quick point of all these eight quarterbacks, Lamar's by far the the least accurate quarterback from the pocket. So just, just want to say that real quick. <laughs> and, you know, last point is there's certainly something to oh my bad, Mike, put you up something to the value of performing when the lights are the brightest, having that playoff, you know, victories underneath your belt. And he did it as a rookie. Like that speaks to what he could do. Not everybody could do it. We've said it multiple times. Lamar has one playoff win in how many years? Purdy was in the NFL for one year and surpassed Lamar and Dak's playoff win totals. Like, it's insane. Not everybody can do it or else they all would be undefeated in the playoffs. Eric, I'm going to toss to you and then we're going to move on. Or I guess this is us moving on. Um, What would you say is more likely come Saturday evening? 
Brock Purdy has a, you know, Philadelphia Eagle, Dallas Cowboys type performance where he just shreds them 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, or the Packers come in here and they look amazing. And the, the Packers offense shreds the Niners defense. What, which of the two scenarios is more likely? Um, I mean, come on. <laughs> the Packers aren't doing that to us. I think the Packers are going to try to put up a fight. Don't get me wrong. I think they're going to come out as strong as they can. And they're going to try to do everything in their power to, at the very least, maintain the game to be somewhat within their reach to win. Um, I don't think that's going to last after the second half. I think after the second half, it's definitely going to be where the separation definitely increases and where the reality of the fact that, like, we're a better team, we're more prepared, we are just all around more talented is going to come into effect and we're just going to create that separation and, and you know, basically get our sights on the conference championship and go from there. And I, I think the Packers are going to definitely give us everything they have because, I mean, it is do or die, right? Like, they're they're in it too. They're, they're at the same position that we're at right now. So it's win or go home, and they're going to definitely try to win. Um, they just, you know, I, I don't see it. I don't see them being able to put up the numbers that we can put up. I don't see them being able to put those numbers up against us. And I don't see them being able to be better than us on any side of the field. Right. Offensive defense. That's just, I just don't see it. I think love's going to be very uncomfortable on Saturday. I think he's going to have a very rough game, a very small amount of time to think or do anything. I'm pretty sure we're not going to struggle that much on offense. I'm pretty sure we're going to definitely take off when it comes to the running game with CMC in there. Um, I think that's going to be our bread and brother, kind of like it pretty much is every other week. And I think we're definitely going to see some, you know, some balls go in the air. and It's going to be some some yardage moving us down the field a little bit. Um, it just I don't I don't see the Packers being able to do it. You know, respect to Jordan Love for what he's been doing and everything that he's been able to accomplish so far, but I just it's not happening. Yeah, yeah. I agree one hundred percent. And and uh, where was it here? Troy Noel, Green Bay, about to find out the Niners aren't the Dallas Cowboys. Kyle's not McCarthy. Purdy isn't Dak. These are completely different teams. I'm glad you did it against them. But like I said earlier, basically everybody does it against them at this point. It's like a rite of passage. So congratulations. You beat the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. That must mean you're not in the 1990s because just about everybody's done that since. So it is what it is. I, I, I can't imagine this defense. That's the biggest difference between these two teams. They, the Packers offense has been potent, has been on fire, just like the 49ers offense has. But on the flip side, the 49ers defense is like ranked eighth overall. They have a hell of a run defense. They haven't allowed an, a 100-yard rusher in like, what, 20 games, something crazy like that. Where on the flip side, the Packers defense is literally Swiss cheese. Like there's holes everywhere. Yes, they have Jair Alexander. Yes, they have Kenny Clark up front. Uh, but other than that, their linebackers can't cover. Their other corner isn't great. So I, I just think that's going to be the big difference here. They're going to have to try and keep up offensively. I don't think they can. Matt, I'm going to toss it back to you. The biggest thing I keep hearing about is this Packers young receivers. They got Christian Watson. They got Romeo Dobbs. They got Dontavian Wicks. Uh, they got Jaden Reed. And they're all kind of performing well. Give Tip my hat to them. They're all going off. You never really know who's going to have, who's going to go have a big game. 
do they worry you at all? You know, that kind of roster of young talent, how much does that concern you going into Saturday? It doesn't. I mean, this 49ers team is battle tested, you know, against some of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, they play, you know, Tyler Lockett and DJ, uh, DK Metcalf twice a year. They played Puka Nakua, who came on as is probably would be rookie of the year if it wasn't for CJ Stroud, um, but set all the rookie receiving records and Cooper Cup on the same team. Um, they went against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, and, and you're looking at CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks. And they went against Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. As you just go through their schedule. It's a who's who of wide receivers. And when you look at the teams that they face, Seattle twice, Philadelphia, Dallas, Tampa Bay with Mike Evans. Did, did they win? Most of them didn't even break 20 points. So, no, I'm not worried about it. Traverius Ward, all pro. Diamador Lenore unsung hero you got Ambry Thomas who has come on as a as a guy that works out of the slot very very well um apparently it doesn't matter who you put at the safety position they're going to play well right between Jair Brown between Talanoa Hufanga you know between Logan Ryan coming off of the street off of the couch um they're going to play well no matter what I guess um so credit to Steve Wilkes for that but no I'm not worried about that. There was a stat going around um, for Jordan Love versus man coverage, which he is very, very good at, and zone coverage, which he's not very good at. I expect Steve Wilkes to dial up a lot of stuff. And it's not very often that the Packers are going to face a pass rush like the 49ers have. So you're going to put a young quarterback in a position, as Nick Bosa said, to feel uncomfortable. And when you feel uncomfortable, where's that ball going to go? I don't know if he's going to look where he's throwing it, but you can better believe that the DBs are going to be there. And the one thing is that even if the 49ers are giving up a little bit of stuff underneath, they don't get the top blown off them that often. So if you're not getting big plays and you can't keep up with this 49ers offense and you get more desperate, that's when the turnovers happen. And I fully expect the same this weekend. Man, this is going to be a great matchup. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the wildcard matchup from last year where, you know, the Seahawks looked hot. They were going into the playoffs, and the 49ers just whooped them, took the top off them, you know, like we're beating them all dead. I forgot what they ended up winning them, 38 to 20 or something crazy like that. Um, Dion, I'm going to throw it back to you. In this game, I'm going to complete the sentence. You know, the 49ers win in a blowout if. The 49ers win in a blowout if the Packers don't show up on defense. I'm just going to put it like that because we have all the requisite weapons. We have everything we need. Once again, health is wealth, and we we, we look great right now. Um, you know, you just talked about the receivers, so let me just give you the numbers. Romeo Dobbs in this last game caught all six of his targets for 151 yards and one TD. The next closest guy to him is Luke Musgrave with three catches for 52 yards. Dontavian Wicks, two for 25. Christian Watson, one for nine. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be afraid of a, a, a team where a dude has literally a 100-yard gap between him and the next guy. And these guys aren't doing anything spectacular. I have respect for Green Bay. I do. 
you got Aaron Jones. Jordan Love's look 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 pretty good. You got Romeo Dobbs. You got Christian Watson. All that. But listen to the numbers I just gave you. Basically, that tells me all I got to do is cover Romeo Dobbs, and the rest will work itself out. It, the when you look at this game, and you look at us across the board, and it's no disrespect to the Packers, you got to give everything to the Niners. The only thing I could say they may have a little bit on us is that offensive line. Maybe a little bit. But everywhere else, the Niners are head and shoulders above the Packers in every way, shape, and form. There is no one that can be that. There's nobody on their team that trumps our guys. They don't have a CMC. They have an Aaron Jones who is very good. I give Aaron Jones credit. But once again, I'm sorry. I, I'm looking at the history, and at the end of the day, there is no way Green Bay wins this game. Look at recent history of what we've done to them in the playoffs. People, this happens to them all the time. And I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that Jordan Love is better than Brock Purdy because I don't believe that. I'm not going to say that Christian Watts is better than Debo because that would be a lie. I'm not going to say Romeo Dobbs is better than IU. That would be a lie. I don't even know who the Packers tight end is, but ain't nobody better than Kittle to me. So we have a complete team. We have guys at every position that do the job that they need to do, and they don't fail at it. I'm sorry, Green Bay, as much as you would like to win this game. Come on into our house. We welcome you to Santa Clara with open arms, but we're going to send you home with a foot in your ass and some tears on your face. And you can take your little, oh, my quarterback doesn't wear jewelry. He's focused on the game. You can take him right on back up to Cheesetown and sit up there and shovel snow in your driveway. Or, heck, I've seen people hitting it with a flamethrower. But go on back up north because you're not welcome over here on the west. Didn't he have a $3,000 Louis Vuitton bag? Yes. Yes. Oh, but he, Talk he, your he, shit, Matt. He was not, but he is Didn't not he? materialistic. Just, wait, so he had a Louis Vuitton backpack. He doesn't wear jewelry. What Brock Purdy comes in with a fucking Jansport backpack that I Thank had you. in fucking middle school. He doesn't wear jewelry. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Shit was it's, hilarious. Jordan Love has like stolen about $20 million from the Packers, sitting his ass on the fucking bench for four years. And Brock Purdy gonna make 800k, and you want to talk about your quarterback ain't fancy. Yeah, yeah, Crazy. no, thank you, uh, Mike. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you real quick, and then we start getting our predictions for the game. This seems like, and the question, the comment here, you know, Team Cali 49ers have the best running back in the league going against the 27th ranked run defense in Green Bay. It seems like the the writing's on the wall. Run Christian McCaffrey until his legs fall off and have him run about 250 yards Saturday. But tell me this isn't going to be one of those times where Kyle tries to outsmart his opponent by outsmarting himself and comes out passing heavy, right? Right. I'm with you. So here it is, right? You just you just laid it out there. 27th against stopping the run versus the best r- running back in the entire NFL. So they're gonna say, Hey guys, we got to focus on stopping this. We know this is our weakness, just like they know it's our weakness, just like the whole league knows this is our weakness. 
So we're gonna we're gonna focus, we're gonna hyper focus on stopping the run. So Kyle's gonna say, Yeah, but what about George Kittle? Kyle's gonna say, What about Brandon Ayuk? What about Debo? Right? These are the things that are gonna make the the, the Packers linebackers, the Packers safeties, their whole secondary, they're just gonna be spinning. They they're not gonna know what's gonna hit them from 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 a any drive forget first quarter second quarter it's going to be a drive per drive thing how kyle attacks his team and the reason he's going to do that is because all that's going to do is going to make it so that the tampa bay buccaneers have to prepare for that in the nfc championship hint to what i think is going to happen later right but they're going to have to say we have to prepare for this entire team we're not just going to go out there and attack your weakness. How many times have we seen Kyle go out against a team who doesn't have a starting corner and Kyle doesn't target the replacement corner? We get frustrated with it. Let me speak for myself. I won't, I won't put words in the panel's mouth. I, I do these games live on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash NB9ERS. I do these games live on our Patreon, and I get completely frustrated like Kyle. They just lost their starting corner. Even if it's just for a play, target that guy. Kyle's like, nope, I'm going to run the ball. Not going to do it. He catches teams off guard because you think in that moment, that's where we're going to go. And Kyle just has this thing in his head where it's like, I'm not going to go out there and try to take advantage of your mismatch because you're expecting us to do that. So now what you're going to do is whoever's covering the outside wide receiver on the right side of the field, you're going to send safety help over there because you know or you think that's where we're going to go. Nope, I'm going to do a handoff for 22 yards, right? That's what Kyle Shanahan does better than anybody else in the league. When it works, we don't even talk about it. We just say, that's the Niners. When it doesn't work, we say, Kyle, why didn't you go after that guy? He's going to give them so many things to think about on the defense, from the coordinator's position, from the play caller's position, that they can't handle the output that we're about to give them, hit them with. Alexander. You better be 80%, bro. You better be 80%. That's my guy. That's a Philadelphia dude right here in my own backyard. You better be 80% because I swear to God, if you're 79, it's going to be a long day for you. You better hope and pray that that flight doesn't cause any extra inflammation to that ankle. You better hope and pray that's not the case. And Campbell, that linebacker, you're not in, in Atlanta anymore. This is not where you got your bones and you had one good game against George Kittle. I remember that shit. I remember it. This ain't been. You're four years beyond that now. And Kyle knows it. So anytime you think that you know what the mismatch is going to be and you think you're going to dictate it based off of your personnel, Kyle's going to say, yeah, but we don't need to do that because we're better than you guys at every single spot. Offense versus defense, we have the numbers. It's all in our favor at all points in the game. He's going to have these guys choking on what they think the Niners are going to do. I can't wait for this game to get here. And for everybody out there watching, for everybody out there trying to predict a way that the Packers can win, it's not impossible. There's a reason they line up and go out there every Sunday, right? We've heard the expressions any given Sunday. The Cowboys were averaging, what, 40 points a game at home or something like that, right? And they were getting smoked. Don't let those garbage stats fool you. That game was over at halftime. Let's be clear with what we're saying. 
I see you, Matt. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna shut up. Go ahead, they, Matt. They, it did get to a point where they had to put the starters back in, though. So that's a fuck up on Green Bay. So don't get it twisted. Dallas kept their starters out there, and and they had to. Dudes were untaping their shit, and all of a sudden it was like, get back in there, and they're like, oh, oh shit, okay. I'm just saying. I'm just and saying. You know, you know the last time the Niners made that mistake. Detroit. Detroit. Week two against Detroit. Exactly. Let's go. We made that mistake years ago. We are not that form of the 49ers, bro. We are so far beyond that, it's not even funny. Kyle will never make that mistake again. We are going to go for the jugular when that moment comes up in this game. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Kyle's ready. Yeah, it's going to happen in the first quarter. Um, No, listen, here's the other thing, too. Never underestimate Kyle Shanahan's penchant for letting his former assistants know whose fucking tree they came off of. Okay. <laughs> he loves to sun his former assistants like nobody's business. Sean McVay, Mike yes. McDaniel, yes. Matt LaFleur. Yes. It don't fucking matter. He's yes. going to take them to the woodshed. It's the learning tree, son. Come sit under a branch for a while. I got you, baby. I'm daddy. That's, that's what y'all call me. Yes. I'm daddy, baby. That's right. Talk that talk, Matt. That is exactly the truth of it. Period. Point blank. You come over here. All right. Listen to me. Come on. Come on. It's it's all those memes that we saw on Instagram where we got Kyle putting people on his shoulders and walking them like kids. You know what I'm saying? That that's the truth of it, bro. Oh my God. Yeah. He does it. He sons them all the time. And the craziest thing is, you would think you spent all these years with the dude. How have you not figured him out? You knew these, and these are not guys that were coached that were that hung around Kyle for like a year and then left. They've been around this dude for a while, and you still get sunned every single time. <laughs> Come on, bro. Brandon, you have something to add? Yeah. Um, so, quick question for you guys. I uh, kind of saw this, you know, watching the media and stuff. Uh, who's, I don't think it's anybody, but who do you guys think is the biggest threat remaining in the NFC for the Niners? It's got to be Detroit. I mean, I, I, I would still give it to Detroit. I think the way that they can perform on offense matches up well with how the 49ers perform on defense. They got Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, is Laporta healthy? Will they get him back? I know he played last week versus the Rams. Um, it's gotta be it's gotta be the Lions. And when you have was Kirby Joseph out there taking knee shots every week, that's scary. That's that's concerning, even though he's saying it's a clean shot, which it's not a, an illegal shot, but just because it's legal doesn't mean it's clean. Um, I would give it to the Rams, although get Goff outdoors and against the Niners in general, his you know, likelihood of winning goes way down. I'm not worried about the pa- the Bucks. I'm not worried about the Packers. There's only one option remaining. So I'd go with the Lions. I don't know if anybody else disagrees with me. I got one. I, there, I'm not concerned about anybody in the NFC. All three of these quarterbacks that are left to face the 49ers potentially have, have flaws. We already beat Baker Mayfield this year. I'm not worried about him. Detroit, man, they had a pretty – it wasn't a super tough division, right? Minnesota had injuries. Chicago's a trash heap. Um, you know, Green Bay barely snuck into the playoffs. 
You look at their strength of schedule, I wasn't impressed by it. And the fact of the matter is Detroit has a penchant for shooting itself in the foot, and they do it over and over and over again. They had a, a very good opportunity to blow the Rams out of the game, and they let them be in it over and over. I mean, they they essentially stopped scoring after the first quarter. They stopped scoring. They let the Rams just pick them apart down the field. And the Rams are not nearly as an explosive an offense as the 49ers are. To me, we're not we're not seeing anything until we hit the Super Bowl. And then you can talk to me about the AFC teams because that's apparently where the 49ers have a blind spot. But I think just because of the way of the nature of the schedule and things like that, I think Kyle is very well versed against NFC teams and maybe not as much against AFC teams. But I'm I'm not worried about any of these quarterbacks, you know, given the 49ers fits, their offense, you know, given our defense fits. And in terms of their defenses, I don't think any of them have anything for the 49ers either. So I think this is like the cleanest path to the Super Bowl that I have seen for a number one seed in a long time. Right. Number two is out. Okay. Number three is there. But, you know, number five is is out. Right. Number four came from the worst division. It's just setting up really nicely. Um, I will say, though, when Mike said earlier, Nick Wright going to have to walk his stuff back. If Kansas City does what I think they're going to do this week and lose on the road to Buffalo, you know, Nick Wright going to pull out that if Patrick Mahomes had a receiving core and they got to the Super Bowl, then Brock Purdy wouldn't want, you know, he's going to say that shit. I'm just taking it out there right now. But I, what I want is for the 49ers to play the Ravens, and I want the 49ers to boat race the Ravens. So there's no questions from most normal people, right? The 49ers beat everybody that was put in front of them, bar none, doesn't matter. They're the champs. But I'm not worried about anybody. Mike? Yeah, I like everything that Matt just said right there, right? I have the 49ers versus the Bills in the Super Bowl, but I want 49ers versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. But let me get back to the NFC really quick, right? There's two teams that not so much scare me because Kyle laid it all out. And the fact that Kyle is thinking the way that I think, it makes me happy. They asked Kyle about the fake punt and why you don't do it, the fake kickoffs and the onside kicks and things like that. And he said, I think we can beat those teams straight up. There's no need for me to try fake punts onside kicks and all that stuff now if you don't think that your team can go out there and do it just head to head then you have to go out there and look for those extra moments those extra drives those extra plays that was today during kyle's presser he went over all of that if you guys haven't seen it go back and watch it i'm not going to break it all down now but he said we don't do those things because we feel that we don't need to because head to head our offense versus their defense our defense versus their offense i think that we match up better but doesn't mean that we won't call it. He said, in fact, I did call a fake punt one time a couple years ago, his second year here. He pointed out exactly what year it was. And the team audibled out of the fake punt. And they were like, oh, well, what about the Mitch Wisnowski one? Well, maybe I did call it, but I like having fun with the media. So I'm going to give Mitch Wisnowski the credit for calling that fake that got called back. And you guys remember that. It was three weeks ago, right? So, you know, Kyle has gone out there and put all of the eggs in the basket. Like, listen. We are better than you guys, head-to-head, toe-to-toe. You guys got to deal with us, and you have to adjust. The teams that scare me the most, there's only two left in the NFC. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. The Cowboys had expectations. The Eagles, I understand they only won 
six. I mean, they only won one of their last seven or some shit like that, right? The Eagles had expectations, and Kyle was ready for them. The Cowboys had expectations. I think Kyle was ready for those guys, right? He's ready for all these teams, but it's the desperate teams that catch you off guard when you're not expecting it. Those are the teams that, coming out of second half, think back to that Super Bowl between the Saints and the Colts, right? You come out of halftime and you do an onside kick. It's like, oh, my God, what were they doing? It was successful. They got an extra possession out of this, and then they go out there and they win the game, right? Like, those are the things that could possibly maybe catch a team off guard. The only two teams that are desperate enough to do things like that in this postseason are Detroit, because we know what Dan Campbell does. We saw Dan Campbell go for it, a two-point conversion, four times. Four times we saw Dan Campbell do it, right? One time successful, two times there were penalties. The last time, it didn't work for in his favor. But he's going to try things, right? And then you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, let's be honest, didn't expect to be here this week. Those are the two teams that are desperate enough to try anything to win the game. To me, those are the most dangerous teams because toe-to-toe, the rest of the teams in the NFL or in the, in the NFC aren't going to try that. They think, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with them if we are fundamentally sound. But those two teams right there, they give me a little bit of pause because you have to expect the unexpected with those teams, right? It'll be a third and one. Those are the teams that are going to take a 50-yard shot down the field. Those are the teams that are going to try to do something that just doesn't go with what the analytics say. Kyle is very much an analytics guy. If we do this on this play during this point in the game, we have a 96% chance to win. Kyle's going to go with the 96% chance to win because that's how he's wired. Dan Campbell is going to throw all that shit out the window. A Baker Mayfield-led team, they're going to throw that shit out the window because it's the 49ers. So those are the two teams in the NFC that I say give the Niners the biggest problems. Those are the two teams that give me a little bit of pause, a little bit of hesitation, but you got to have all that shit go right in order to be in it against the Niners at the end of the game. Not so much winning, but just to be in it. Keep it a one possession game down the end, down to the end, down the stretch. Those are the two teams that give me just a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of pause. Not that I'm afraid of those teams, but the two teams that I said I didn't want to play going into this postseason just happen to be two of the final four teams in the NFC, and that's the Lions and that is the Buccaneers. We got to be cautious with those guys because they don't care. When they walk on the field, they're telling each other in the locker room, they're telling each other on the field, no one expected us to be here. Let's go out there and make them pay. That's what their mindset is. And I like that because the Niners have to have that mentality to go out there and get this Lombardi this year. They have to have that mentality. They have to be ready for anything at all times. And those are the two teams that are going to prepare us the most for it. So the winner of that Lions and Buccaneers game is going to be the team that I fear the most. It's not about the Packers. The Packers don't bother me at all. They can go out there and they can try it, but that's not in their DNA. They're not wired that way. Those other two teams, though, oh, man, oh, man. Those extra risks, those extra chances, those opportunities that no one else call an opportunity. Oh, it's punt formation. Niners about to get the ball. Not with Dan Campbell out there. They might fake it. You understand what I'm saying? Those are the two teams that make me say, guys, be ready. Hey, hey, pump the brakes. It's not over yet. It can't be a two-score game with six minutes left in the game 
and they're on fourth down. You got to be ready for them to fake it in those moments because they have nothing to lose and they're desperate enough to say, hey, we weren't supposed to be here in the first place. No one counted us out. I mean, no one counted us in. They expected us to be out. They're going to go for it in those situations. Those are the teams that make me pause the most. The Packers, they're not going to do it. Anybody in the AFC, they're not going to do it. My heart tells me I hope the Ravens win that game. I don't think they're going to win. My heart tells me the Lions are going to win that game, but I don't think they're going to win it. My brain tells me something different. My brain tells me that the Buccaneers are just good enough to do something against that secondary in Detroit. Just good enough. That wide receiving core is just good enough. So we have to be cautious when it comes to them. But this team right here, oh, these th th this toilet bowl symbol right here, not worry about them at all. Niners <laughs> over the Packers. But those other two teams, the winner of that, that Detroit game, the winner of that Buccaneers and Detroit game, they scare me a little bit. And unfortunately, we have to go against one of them in the NFC Championship game. That's the team that we got to worry about the most. It's not about anything else. Those other teams are going to go out there and going to run their offense. They're going to run their defense the way that they do it. And I can't wait for the Niners to go out there against them. We'll see what happens. Damn. All right. Uh, I got a couple points here, and then we're going to get into our predictions. I saw this stat on X. The 49ers are 4-0 with 10 or more days off in between games. These are the games. Pittsburgh, the first game of the year, 30-7. to Arizona, 36-17. Jacksonville 34 to 3 and Philadelphia 42 to 19. Now obviously they had the bye week last week so they will have another 10 or more days rest in between and they didn't even play in week 8 week 18 week 17 week 18 week 18. Uh they didn't play in that game so they've had a lot of rest so it's going to be good and also Mike your whole spiel just reminded me of this post that I saw and it's got a picture of Kyle and Joe Barry. Joe Barry that that that's the defensive coordinator, right? For the for the Packers. Um and, and he says the, the post is the best swordsman does not fear the second best. He fears the worst, since there's no telling what the idiot is going to do. And that kind of reminds me what you're saying about the bugs about the Packers. It's like they're desperate. They could do a fake punt, they could do all these things. So we'll see what happens. Um, we, we got a super chat here that I missed earlier from Fortnite's throwback. Levi Stadium is going to be electric. It's projecting to be 97% of 49ers fans on game day per Nick Wagner. Get loud, faithful. Get loud. So 97%. Packers fans travel well. Apparently, they're not going to travel that well to this game. So uh, definitely, if you're going, get loud. And Gray Fox, I'm not sure if I, if I read this one just in case. There's seven terrific quarterbacks and an elite one in BCV. So great, great, great uh, way to put that. All right, let's get into our predictions here and start to wrap up the show. Let's start with offensive player of the game prediction. Matt, I'll start with you. I'll go last. I'll make it hard on myself. All right. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a big Christian McCaffrey game. I mean, I think we all smell what the 49ers are cooking, what Kyle Shanahan's cooking. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have 200 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns in this game, and he's going to absolutely dominate. Okay. Dion. Muted. Sorry. Thank you, sir. 
Well, uh, Matt stole mine, and uh, Matt, don't don't hang out in here. It's it's not it's not good in there. It's weird. <laughs> um, but I will have to say, uh, honestly, I expect BA to go out there and cook. I expect Brendan Ayu to go out there and break beat the brakes off of all the DBs and just show them what true route running looks like. Um, I do have to say this. Um, you know, cry Eagles cry, uh, continue to cry all the way into next year. Um, you guys failed uh, miserably. We gave the blueprint and everybody did it. And uh, I know my wife's going to kill me for this, but how about them Cowboys? <laughs> you failed. You did what you do every single year. Your fans ran into the stadium to watch you lose. Every year it's your year. And every year it's never your year. Richard Sherman was talking to Lil Wayne on his podcast about the game coming up. And he said, Wayne, you've been out for a while, you know, but you could be gone for, you know, uh, 30 years and come back and still fill stadiums. He was like, you know who else can do that? The Cowboys. But the only difference between me is I rock the crowd. They fail. I was like, that's perfect. But for me, yeah, man, um, B.A., B.A. all day. Okay, I love it. Mike, what do you got? Uh, this weekend, you're talking about, right? Yep. All right, so um, I'm going to go with uh, the Buccaneers over the Lions. No, whoa, whoa, offensive MVP for the game. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Offensive <laughs> MVP, I apologize. I'm going to go with George Kittle. I don't like their linebackers at all against George Kittle. At all against George Kittle. Um, I saw what um what Ferguson, right? That was the that was the Cowboys uh yep, tight end. Yep, yep. I saw what he was able to do, and he is about 60% of what George Kittle is. George Kittle's a better blocker. Better route runner, better, better player with the ball in his hands. I won't say that George Kittle's a better pass catcher because George still does that body to the ball type shit that drives me crazy from time to time. Uh, but George Kittle is definitely a more deadly weapon across the middle of that field. Um, I think George Kittle is going to be the chain mover. Um, and you know, I want I want to pay a little bit of respect to a guy that's coming back for the first time in what three or four games in Jawan Jennings. Right, we're we're gonna convert some good third downs with Juwan Jennings, uh, but I I'm gonna ultimately give it to George Kittle. Uh, I think I think he's gonna have some big plays. I think he's gonna not only catch the ball across the middle, he's gonna break some tackles and get out there and make those safeties have to respond to what he's doing out there. This is a George Kittle game if I've ever seen it. Uh, everything is is aligning right for the 49ers and George Kittle to go out there and just dominate this game. So I'm going to go with George Kittle. If I had to predict the stat line, I think George Kittle is going to have about seven or eight catches, uh, 122 yards, and two, not one, but two touchdowns in this game. George Kittle is going to be my offensive player of the game. Okay, Christian. Well, I can't take Kittle since Mike took it. So I'm going to take Debo. And I'm going to say Debo because not just because, you know, he's, it always seems to show up in playoff games. He's absolutely insane every playoff game. He's He turns on another level. I like to call it playoff Debo. But I think the biggest reason he's going to be a factor in this game is his physicality, right? 
Green Bay is coming. They're thinking, you know, oh man, we just beat the we beat the kick the brakes off the Cowboys. We can do it. Well, we're not the Cowboys. They are soft, finesse team. We are a, one of the most physical teams in the league, if not the most physical team. If you look off the past two years and how teams have fared after playing us. And that defense does not want anything to do with how physical that Debo is going to be, right? We talked about earlier about how Jair punk CD. Well, there's no punk in Debo. He's going to punch you in the mouth, right? I think we're going to run the ball a lot in this game, and I think Debo is going to get the ball, run, running the ball, and I think he's going to be very physical when he does, and I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a touchdown in the run game um, and run for 60-plus yards. I think he will get the ball in the pass game, but I think he's going to be mostly effective in the run game because I think we're going to run the ball quite a lot, and I think he's going to be a part of that. Okay, I like it. Brandon. So since uh, all y'all took literally every single player, basically, on the offense, uh, let's just go with uh, Jawan motherfreaking Jennings. Uh, It's his first game back from concussion protocol. You saw the last game that he played, he was breaking tackles, scoring touchdowns. So I think he's going to have a big game in his return on Saturday. And uh, I think he gets at least a tutty in this game. Okay. Um, so I mean, so wait, so no one's got Christian McCaffrey as their guy? Matt did. Matt did. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry. And, I mean, I, I, I get it for the sake of the conversation, but nobody said you could pick the same player. So I'm, I'm definitely going with George Kittle. Uh, I, it's just his game. These linebackers cannot cover. They're Swiss cheese. I agree with Mike. Uh, I think Kittle's going to have over 100 yards, at least a touchdown, and uh, he just always plays well against the Packers. I think the middle of the field's going to be there. Give me Kittle. Uh, let's go defense, and we'll start from the other way up. So I'll go first, and I'm going to go with Fred Warner, and I think Fred's going to get a pick. He's had a career year in interceptions already. Fred knows what it's like to get so close to getting that ring and not getting it. And I think he's going to do everything he can to make sure the 49ers get it this year, including, you know, starting on Saturday evening. So I'm going to go Fred, like another 10 tackles and a pick. Uh, Brandon, who do you got? All right. He started getting on fire the past two weeks um, towards the end of the season. I'm going with Mooney Ward. I think he gets... I think he has maybe two picks and one of them a pick six. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Chase Young. Uh, no Farrell in this game, so because of that, I think he's gonna get a lot more snaps. Uh, I think we haven't got to see him quite enough because of the fact that Farrell's been playing so well. I think this is the chance now that you're gonna get to see Chase Young more. I think he's a you know, he can play all three downs. We just haven't got a chance to see him yet. I think he's going to be able to get into a rhythm, getting more snaps. And I think as he starts to get in that rhythm, as the game wears goes on, he's going to wear down his side, his, you know, he's going to wear the offensive line down. And that's when we're going to start seeing him get to, uh, to love. we got to remember he's our fastest pass rusher. He's absolutely, dude, he's insanely fast. I think once he starts getting warmed up and starts feeling himself, he's going to, he's going to become, a powerhouse in these playoffs. And I think because of that injury to Farrell, he's going to be the guy that, that dominates on our, on our role, like run to the Super Bowl. Okay. Badass Mike. 
Very good picks by everybody so far. I'm going to go with Jersey's own Jair Brown. Back out there in the mix. Um, and, you know, I, I would have said Fred Warner if it weren't for one thing. Fred Warner has this he has the propensity to go for the punch instead of the tackle when he's the first guy there, right? Everybody else on the team wants to wrap up legs, hold them up, and then let Fred come in and punch the ball out. I think what's going to happen in this game is Fred is going to focus on tackling fundamentals, holding guys up. Jair Brown is going to come from that secondary at the safety position, and he's going to cause a fumble with his helmet, not so much a punch, but with his helmet, he's going to go in there, lower his head, boom, helmet on ball, ball's going to pop out. That's going to be one turnover. And then another one is going to be an actual interception from a tip ball. I think Jair Brown is going to go out there and cause all kinds of havoc. He's going to have about seven or eight tackles solo in this game. And he's going to be the guy that leads this defense in this game because Everyone's talking about all these first and second year wide receivers, Christian Watson and Dobbs and all them. Go, listen, listen. Jair Brown is going to play fundamentally sound football, and if he's not the first guy there, that means go and get the ball. He's going to do that. He's going to execute, and we're going to have a safety competition on our hands when the next season starts. Jair Brown in Jersey. Trenton, New Jersey, to be specific, specific uh, is going to represent in this game. Okay. Dion. <clears throat> well, um, since you said we could pick the same player, um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Charvarius Ward, but he likes to be called Mooney. He would actually prefer it if you called him Mooney. Um. I just I don't know something something about this game just tells me that Mooney's gonna go off. Um, if I did have to choose someone else, it would definitely have to be Nicholas John Bosa because I do feel that the pressure coming off the edges with him and Chase Young collapsing that pocket, there's not gonna be time for Jordan to stand back there and just deliver the ball like he normally does. I do believe that we are going to create so much pressure that that is when we're going to see the real Jordan love and what he can do. But I do believe Mooney is studied and he's ready. Um, I think our DBs in general are just going to eat this, this, this offense alive. These dudes have been out there playing. They've been having a good time, but one thing I can always tell people is you have not seen a defense like what we bring to the table. So as much as green Bay Packer fans want to chirp and run their mouths, Mooney is going to be right there. And when he picks it off, I'm going to be laughing at all of y'all because there ain't going to be no way. There's going to be nothing you can do about it. Okay, Matt, what do you got? You already know, though. You already know. Listen, we had it for a long time. It happened. I wasn't here. It happened again pretty much, even though they were half sacks. But I'm still on it. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble. Let's go all day. Every day, every game, Nick Bosa, he's going to have a huge game this week. And Jordan Love is going to find out the hard way why Nick Bosa is the reigning defensive player of the year. Okay. All right. Let's go. Mike, you have some to add? I do. I'm surprised that no one said uh, Diamadur Lenore. And for, for one main reason, uh, I listened to the pressers this week from the coordinators, uh, Kyle. I listened to... Uh, uh, Forrester, 
I listened to Steve Wilkes, but Wilkes said something that I thought was really, really important in this game. He said that uh, we are expecting our secondary to plaster these guys. Now, the reason this is important is because plastering, to me, means a lot of man coverage, not zone. So if you're going to plaster someone, you're going to be on them from snap to whistle every single play. That's what that means to me. Uh, the Cowboys did something that no one really expected. They, they're they predominantly a man team in the secondary, but they did a lot more zone in this last game, and Jordan Love was able to sit back there and pick them apart. I think the Niners are going to play more man, and D'Amador Lenore, in my opinion, is the best man corner guy on this roster. Uh, so I want to give him his his little his little homage, so to speak, right? I want to give him his flowers. Uh, and I think that Diamador Lenore is going to make some waves out there this week. He's going to be out there and locking up whoever. I don't know if they're going to play uh, field versus um, sideline. I have no idea how they're going to do it. But I do believe that they're going to have a plan. And while I like Mooney, while I like uh, uh, Jair Brown, I think that Demo is going to be the most versatile guy out there. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in either of the outside positions. I think Demo is going to have a really, really good game, and he's going to say, hey, they can't beat me. I don't care who it is. First-year guy, second-year guy, he can't fuck with what I'm about to do with him. And so my honorable mention is going to go to Diamond Lenore. I thought someone else was going to say him, so I purposely didn't name him. He's going to have a very, very pivotal role in this game. Okay, all right. I love it. Let's get into these final score predictions and wrap up. I'm going to go first, and I don't think it's close, guys. I got the 49ers, 42-19. to I think they're just going to absolutely whoop the Green Bay Packers. Like the chat was saying earlier, they're going to learn. Dallas is in San Francisco. We're not a finesse team. The 49ers actually will hit you and hit you hard and not stop. So uh, I think Jordan Love is going to play well, but it's not going to matter because the 49ers offense is just on another level. 49ers as a whole are on another level. And give me the Niners 42 to 19. Uh, Dion, you go first. I'll go down the line. For me, um, I'm just gonna call a win, man. I, I'm, I'm not really good on the score prediction stuff, um, but I'll call a win at least by no less than 14 points at a bare minimum. Okay, got the Niners covering. I like it. Mike, what do you got? 49ers 35-19. Uh, I've been saying Niners by 16 for about a week now, um, and I'm going to stick with that. I don't see a scenario where the Packers can score four times in this game. You can count field goals. You can count touchdowns. However you want to break it down, they're not going to get all four scores in the end zone. They're not putting up 28 points on the Niners. Uh, I'm going to go with 19 to 35 for the 49ers. Easy. Bet your house on it. All right, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to go 49ers 31, Packers 10. It's going to be a, a you know on-the-ground game for the 49ers. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey with his 200 uh, yards from scrimmage. Um, they're going to get the easy dub. I think they're going to move the, the ball, hold the ball for a long period of time, and the game's going to go quicker than people think because the 49ers are just not going to have much of a problem with Green Bay. 31-10, 49ers. Okay, all right, Christian. You're muted. I'm going to go 28-13. I think 
like what Matt said, we're going to run the ball. So the, the game's going to go quick. I think because of the, the clock management, that's the ability to run the ball. I think it'll be a little bit low, lower score. So I'm going to go 28, 13. Um, I'd say green Bay. It, I say it's not even that close. Green Bay maybe gets a score late to make it closer than it actually is. Okay. Brandon. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 35, 10. Um, just cause we're, you know, we're a hundred percent healthy going into this game. Um, Packers are tired. Uh, one of the players actually said it going into the tunnel after the game last Sunday. So we know for, for damn sure they're tired, especially on a short week. Um, and yeah, like you guys said, um, the Niners don't compare to the Dallas Cowboys. So look out Packers because we're coming for you. We're snatching your chains. That's right, guys. All right. The 49ers playoff experience of 2024 is here. And they're going to take care of the Green Bay Packers. And then we'll see on Sunday who they're playing in the NFC Championship game. I'm not cocky. I'm confident. Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. I I haven't let you go. Yes, please. One more thing. I just want to do this real quick just because Mike was kind of on it earlier. And I think it'd be a fun thing to do. Just one word answer only. Um, and we'll start with the first game of the weekend, Baltimore versus Texans, who y'all got. Um, I'll go real quick. Uh, I have the Houston Texans because fuck the Ravens. I'll go next. Uh, damn, I want to go Houston, but I don't know if they can do it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go Houston too because I don't think Baltimore is going to do it. I'm not, I don't think Lamar's like that. I don't think Lamar is like that. So give me Houston. Brandon, who do you got? You know what? Last week I did uh... – I did the same thing. I went underdog, so I'm going underdog again, continuing my streak, going Houston as well. Dion, who do you got? I'm sorry, y'all. I got to break the monotony. I'm taking the Ravens, bro. Look, I love what the Texans have been doing. Ravens, though. Okay. Uh, Who does that leave? Mike? Mike and Christian? The Texans are the Lions of the AFC. They're going to do whatever it takes to go out there and get this dub. I'm going with the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud to have the game of his career against this defense, man. I'm actually going to pick the Houston Texans, so I'm with Matt and I'm with Zach. Let's go Houston. Christian. I want to take take Houston. My problem is I'm hearing possible 30-mile-an-hour wins. It's gonna be nine degrees or so with some, and it might possibly thirty mile an hour winds, um, and that's the only reason that I feel like I can't take the Texans. Their their game is down the field throws. I feel like that's gonna throw off Stroud's throws. I, I feel like if this is in a dome, I take the Texans. So I got to go with the Ravens only because I worry about their their offense in the in the wind. Okay. So wait, wait. So just to be clear. The high winds, you think favors the Ravens because of the run game? Yes. Have you been paying attention to Singletary? Oh, I just, man. I just, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here because uh-huh. that the the weather conditions are part of why I'm taking. Houston. Okay, interesting. Lamar Jackson ain't gonna be able to go out there and scramble and find somebody out there downfield. He, there's no more OBJ in the scramble drill and all that stuff. He's not gonna be able to rely on Isaiah Likely uh, breaking a tackle or two and then getting or not a tackle, but uh, you know busting through the coverage and all that stuff. I just want to be clear that we're on the same page. 
Okay. Like this is. I just figured they could run the ball still. Like Lamar running the ball, Cook. They got Cook. We don't know how that's going to look. I just feel like I haven't seen the Texans be that great of a run team all season. The Ravens are a run team. That's why. I, I, I'd, I'd love to see that. I think the Texans win in a dome. I 100% think Texans win in a dome. But I think the Ravens will be able to run the ball um, better than the Texans will if the, if the wind really is bad. All right, next game. Who do we have, Matt? Yeah, so the next game, um, I, I'm not sure which order they're in. But just for the sake of, of uh, you know, going to the NFC again, we, we all know what the 49ers are going to do. But uh, Detroit and I forgot who they're playing already. Tampa. Tampa. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Come kidding. On, don't kidding. do that. I was about to say, don't do that, Matt. Come on, I'm bro. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Tampa Bay, I think, has performed over its skis. I think that both teams are flawed in their own ways. I, I don't trust either quarterback to do a whole bunch. But top to bottom, I think that Dan Campbell is a better coach than Todd Bowles. Even though I love Todd Bowles, I think Dan Campbell goes a little bit more outside of the box. And like Mike said, he's going to get desperate. So I have Detroit as the home team winning their second playoff game, which I don't think has ever happened in Detroit history. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to make it to the NFC Championship game. Okay, I'll go next. Give me Tampa, man. Give me Tampa. I don't think Detroit's going to do it. I don't know. Maybe they will, but I just feel like they've kind of already exceeded their expectations of the season. They've won their playoff game. It was close. They won by one point. Tampa, they've, don't get me wrong, they've definitely exceeded, but I just feel like they're they're primed for upsetting the Detroit Lions. The Eagles wasn't really an upset. The Eagles were kind of like the Cowboys walking ass backwards into the playoffs, you know, reaching out in the dark behind them. I think I think I think Tampa wins it. Could could you imagine the 49ers road to the Super Bowl is two nine and eight teams? Could you imagine no. that shit? No. That would be wild. That'd be wild. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon, who you got? Um mm, I'm going with the Lions on this one. Um it's gonna be low scoring for sure. So I I'll take the uh, Lions by one probably. Cool. Dion. I'm just gonna say it like this: You gotta lose yourself in the moment. You own it. You, I'm telling you, you better let it go. Gotta Mom run with forgetting. everybody on here, man. I'm sorry, man. Tampa, Tampa Bay, come on now. Look, you had your nice little run. It's cute, but y'all are out the door, man. Detroit is not playing around. And you know, shout out Big Sean. Shout out Eminem. Detroit versus everybody, buddy. Um, I have no faith that Tampa Bay will be able to pull this off. If they do, it's going to be because of their defense. The angle will be because of Baker Mayfield. All right. Christian. I'm picking Detroit. I've had from, from the get-go before the playoffs started, NFC Championship, Niners, uh, Lions. And I just think in this game, I think the Lions can play a little more loose. I think it's it, there's no more emotion in this game as it was, it was a very probably emotional game. I would say for Jared Goff playing the Rams, right. is a big, big moment for him. You, you take that away. I think he can play, they can play a little more loose on offense. I think he, he has one of his better games. That stadium is going to be bumping. I mean, it's going to be loud. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. And I think the team's going to feed off that, get them getting a second, able to get that second playoff game because the Cowboys losing, they're not going to waste it. 
I just think that they're going to have that home field advantage. I think it's going to make a difference. And I, so I, I'm going to take the Lions. You guys are all spot on, except for one thing, D'Amico Ryans. He's going to have that defense prepared. He's going to have that defense ready. And, you know, we talk about gambling and all that stuff. I think this is when it comes back to bite Dan Campbell in the ass. Uh, we saw, and I talked about multiple times, the four attempts for the two-point conversion. That's going to be Dan Campbell's motto, motto for the entire duration of this game. It's going to come back to bite him in the ass, and you can't do that against a team. We have seen Stroud come back and lead game-winning drives when no one expects him to go out there and get it. I expect Mike, how much same. you had to drink tonight, brother? CJ oh. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's ain't oh, part of this shit. game. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. I've had a lot <laughs> to drink. I have had a lot to drink, but I'm sorry. Tampa Bay. So the thing is with Tampa Bay, I apologize. Good call. <laughs> Thank you for checking me. Right. No, hey, man, this is great content. I love it. No, but but the Baker Mayfield led team has absolutely nothing to lose. And I trust their wide receivers, that wide receiving core, more than I trust the Lions secondary. Okay, so that that's where I was going with. It. I'm sorry. I'm so hyped on Houston, and I'm so proud of D'Amico and what he's done. I, I couldn't wait to talk about him again. I apologize, but the Lions <clears throat> versus Tampa Bay. I like the receiving core. If it's a one score game with three minutes left, give me that wide receiving core against that Lions secondary all day, every day. The Lions are going to go out there and fall flat on their face. Give me tampa bay cool all right i guess we're gonna finish up with what many are probably thinking is going to be the most hotly contested game of the weekend um i beg to differ just because this will be the first time that uh kermit the, i mean patrick mahomes has been <laughs> on the road in the playoffs um and this kansas city chiefs team is not the team that won the super bowl last year they have a heap of problems and people want to talk about brock purdy and having a good offense, Patrick Mahomes for a long time had really good weapons on his offense, and you see the type of year, the down year that he's having because he doesn't have the supporting cast. They have to travel to Buffalo. It's Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game, and it's one he's going to take a loss in. Give me the Buffalo Bills. Uh, nobody circles the wagons like those Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. Give me Buffalo, too. I. This is a different Chiefs team. So I, I just think Buffalo could do it. I think they, they've been waiting. It's their Mount Everest, and they're finally about to, to conquer it. Give me Buffalo. Uh, Mike. I hate that I'm going with you guys, but I'm going to go with Buffalo also, right? Um, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, right? And both these guys are really good. They're phenomenal quarterbacks. These Both, both of these guys will run if they have to. They will take a shot down the field if they have to and all that. So that means that it comes down to players outside of the quarterback position. And for whatever reason, right or wrong, I trust the skill position players of Buffalo more than I trust the skill position players. And I like Rice. I swear I do. But it's not enough. I'm going to go with Buffalo. They're going to go out there and get this done. Uh, sorry, Kansas City. You guys are going to have to sit home and watch the AFC Championship game. Okay. Uh, Brandon. Uh, I'm going with the Bills as well. Um, the Bills are finally playing at home against Kansas City. Kansas City, is this is their first playoff game on the road. 
Um, Kansas City just hasn't looked the same this season. Um, their his their receivers keep dropping balls. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' only guy to go to really is Travis Kelsey. And um, honestly, I would rather have the Bills over the Chiefs any day because that means that no more no more Taylor Swift on the TV. So go Buffalo. <laughs> All right, Dion. Gotta break up the monotony here, man. Gotta break up the monotony. And even though this dude is from St. Louis, he is still from Missouri. So I'm going down, down, baby. Yo, street in the range, going street sweeper, baby. Cock ready to let it go. I got to go with the Chiefs, man. Patrick Mahomes ain't missed the AFC championship since he's been in the playoffs. And I unfortunately don't think that's about to happen this year. I like what Buffalo is doing. I know they have the better defense. I know they got the better offense, but I'm sorry. This dude, year in, year out, lives in the AFC Championship game. I don't see it changing. Give me the Chiefs. Okay, Christian. I'm taking the Bills. I think I think Josh Allen's playing out of his mind right now. You, you watch what he did against the Steelers. I mean, dude, he's playing out of his mind. The Bills are 17-0 when he doesn't turn the ball over. I don't think he turns the ball over against the Chiefs. Um, I know that the, the Bills are hurt on defense. But I still don't think the Chiefs have enough on offense to do anything. Um, even their best weapon has been pretty terrible at times this year with, with drops. Like, Kelsey's got a lot of drops this year. And the one thing I don't think anybody's talking about, and I think even the media hasn't really talked about, is the Chiefs are beat to hell from that frozen wet, that game last weekend. They are beat to absolute hell. Like, I was watching the Pat McAfee show, and – AQ Shipley's got some friends on that line that play for Kansas City, and he said they had some serious issues. There may have been some frostbite and whatnot for some of those players in that game. Apparently, any of those players that didn't cover their skin in that game are, are feeling the after effects now. That's going to that's gonna wear on you in a game that's going to be physical, and the, the Bills are going to want to come punch them in the mouth. I, I think that's going to play a huge factor in this game is w- – the after effects of them being out in that freezing cold. So I'm taking the bills and they're going to Buffalo. But uh, yep. if I'm not mistaken in Buffalo, y'all seen what it looked like. It, it was horrible. That snow was ridiculous. Like that's why they had to postpone that game. I, but yeah, I hope they traveled there already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they better already be there. Yeah. Cause at this, at this point, the angle, you might not even get into Buffalo where the way the weather is. Um, the only reason I'm gonna tell y'all real quick, the only reason that I don't feel like Buffalo's gonna do it, I just I'm sorry. It every time I think of Buffalo in the Super Bowl, I remember four stray L's. And I just feel bad for that squad, man. But I'm sorry, I'm 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 sticking with it, man. Mahomes, no matter how hurt, how busted, how beat up that team is. Kid just seems to live in that AFC championship game. It, th- these are facts, not fiction. In order to get to the Super Bowl, you got to win divisional games. That's all I'm saying. I like <laughs> it. I respect it, but 0-4 in the Super Bowl, I get it. Four in a row. We'll probably never – I don't think we'll ever see a streak like that again. But uh, in order to get there, you got to win divisional and conference championships. So, I, I – it's just weird. You gotta go with you gotta go with Buffalo, man. They got they got it, man. They got it this year. They got we it. we 
I know we're going to end it real quick, Zach. But Jim Everett, stop crying, bro. You lost. <laughs> out of the playoffs, man. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear about your bum parade from two years from years ago. Nobody wants to hear about how you got robbed. Nobody wants to hear anything, bro. Take your L and sit at home and watch us win the Super Bowl. And shut up already, man. Let it go, bro. Stop crying. What's and annoying? Then, what's a, what's a, these out tears about these lamb chops, bro? You lost. You took an L. What's it annoying about that comment is literally yeah. the, ne- the next year, the next year, the Cowboys went and got Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is why we lost in the NFC Championship that year to the Cowboys. So can we get Matt Ryan? I don't want to. I'm only going to out troll the troll that is that is Jim Everett. And He's the, been coming here the Cowboys, the Cowboys stole Charles Haley from us, right? They got. You know what I mean? I don't want to fucking hear it. Like, why, I was like, why are we talking about shit from before when I like know, everybody? I don't know why we bring it up. It's alive. stupid. Like, but, what's yeah. going on right now? We got to wrap this show up. So we're going real over quick, two real hours. Real quick, for Dion. Dion said Patrick Mahomes has never missed an AFC Championship game. Listen, there's a famous quote, and it goes like this: "The first time is always the hardest." So I hope Patrick Mahomes is prepared. <laughs> All right, guys. All of our X handles are on the screen. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. Go check out Nothing But Niners. Make sure you're following them there. Check out uh, Nothing But Niners Patreon. Patreon.com slash NB9ERS. Mike will be live Saturday for the entire game. You don't want to miss it. Uh, we will be live after the game, I imagine, and we'll in some sort uh, recapping everything that happened. And maybe we'll be live Sunday as well, going over those games, seeing who the Niners are going to be playing in the championship game. Uh, but like I said, Go subscribe to everybody. Go follow. Until then, Matt, please carry us out. Absolutely. This was a fun show. Big panel. Lots of discussion going on. Lots of energy. I loved it. Um, It's playoff town, boys. The end zones are painted red, and we're about to paint the town red with the – with the leftover carcass of the Green Bay Packers after this Saturday. So tune in Saturday night. We'll bring you a post-game show. Um, at some point, we'll we'll put it together. I know it's kind of a busy thing with the playoffs and stuff like that. But thank you as always for joining us. Mike, Christian, Dion, Brandon, Zach, thank you for holding it down as always. Everybody who joined us here tonight, hit like, hit subscribe, follow us. Always come here for the 49ers content. We love having you here as always. And until next time, it's playoff time, baby. So go Niners.